Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Odyssey is where millions of listeners discover a universe of premium, live, and on-demand audio, and where advertisers of all kinds can find their kind. Wherever they are, wherever they go, your audience is here, listening to music, news, sports, and influential voices from stations around the country, plus thousands of today's top podcasts. It's all here. Welcome to Odyssey. Visit odysseyinc.com to hear more. Welcome to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. I'm Ko Im, your community editor and host of today's episode. This episode is being recorded in April, which happens to also be Stress Awareness Month. So for that, we thought we'd bring in a professional. I know we're all professionals in the marketing industry, but a professional to really dive into what a stressful year it has been and how stress can affect those of us in the creative world. So with that, I'd like to welcome our guests. Um, and I'd love for you to kind of introduce yourself as we're kind of meeting for the first time. Hi there. Hi, my name is Elle Bernfeld. Um, I'm a licensed therapist in Brooklyn, New York, and I work pretty much exclusively with artists and creative professionals of all different types. Great. Yeah. I mean, Brooklyn's kind of a hub for, for all of that. Um, yeah. So I was just wondering, you know, um, first of all, how are you? I'm good. It's been a tough year, though. I, I'm definitely not immune. It's It's been one of those years where it's like, you know, of course, every session people say, oh, how are you doing? And you say a quick good. Right. But there was a certain point in the year where I'm like, I have to kind of acknowledge that obviously I'm going through the same crap that everybody else is going through. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those uh, years where you can't, you know, completely be mysterious in that way. Yeah. So um, give us kind of an overview of you know, um, in general, first of all, uh, what what do creatives um, deal a lot with, at least from your client perspective? At some point, you know, I um, was doing voiceover acting and I had a therapist who worked uh, pretty exclusively with th- those of this, you know, similar types. So for you, you know, what are what have been some um, similar themes and challenges um, in general? 
Yeah. I think in general, perfectionism is one of the things that comes to mind. It's, you know, it's really hard not to be a tough critic on yourself and to take what other people, you know, who are trying to help you have, you know, what they're saying to heart. That's a big one. And then of course, just the highs and lows of an industry that you ultimately are never going to have complete control over. And of course, everybody wants to feel like they have a sense of control in their life, feel like they have a sense of stability. That's something that I think everybody craves, even artists, you know, and to be able to deal with that on a day-to-day basis, even though you know it, even though of course you never forget it, that's something that comes up a lot. And so that's one of the reasons I think people are hard on themselves is because then they have that sense of control, right? If, if you're the failure in that situation, you can say, well, good thing that's never going to happen again because I messed up. Right. But if it was just a bad day, a twist of fate, somebody else's fault, there's not much you can do about that. And I think that's really hard to sit with. Mm-hmm. And as somebody, you know, in the mindfulness uh, world, I like to remember that nothing is in, in our control except our reaction to things. So what are some of the, um, you know, practical ways um, b- beyond the reminders that you give to folks? Is there kind of a, a, a term in the psychological glossary? Something that comes to mind that I think is really helpful is, you know, the idea of self-talk and how we talk to ourselves and how important that is. And one of the terms that comes up a lot is something called, you know, cognitive distortions, which is essentially the ways that we twist our reality into something negative that can hurt us. And that can be from putting, you know, a lot of meaning on something that actually doesn't have a lot of meaning, an opportunity falling through and you using that as something that tells you that you shouldn't even be in this profession anymore, right? That's not, that's a correlation that you're drawing that actually isn't there to, you know, exaggerating what people are saying. If somebody says, you know, some sort of negative feedback, you turning that into something even more negative, right? So there's all these different types of cognitive distortions that people have. And that's something that, you know, is helpful to catch yourself in and to learn about those things, because then you're able to see, oh, geez, I do that all the time. That's something that, I'm, you know, creating all these reasons to feel upset when I don't need to do that. Yeah, that reminds me a lot about um, imposter syndrome and like Mm -hmm. catastrophic thinking um, in terms of, you know, not feeling like enough. And I remember I worked with a coach at some point and I think, you know, we even named this um, negative talker in our head, right? I was like, oh, yeah, she she or he is here. Um, And guess what? Your opinion doesn't really matter right now. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, catastrophizing is definitely a big one. And, you know, in a sense, it's it's there for a purpose, right? That's what helps us to plan ahead. But ultimately, when we start to believe that when we start to think that that's definitely what's going to happen, that's, that's not very helpful for us. Yeah. So speaking of reality and catastrophes, uh, this past year has been a giant, you know, negative kind of orb that we're living in. Um, what was exacerbated? For me, you know, I feel like I noticed a lot of, um, I want to say, crisis personalities coming through, right? Either people became hyperactive or you just kind of fell into maybe some kind of depression or lethargy or laziness, however you want to call it. Um, what were you seeing from from where you sit? Yeah, I think this year for anyone that has any sort of tendency for anxiety and depression, which is a lot of people, 
that was definitely exacerbated. And people that maybe went to therapy and felt like, okay, I'm in a good spot. I have my bad days, but I'm able to manage these symptoms that I've had for a while. All of a sudden, it just wasn't enough anymore. Or sometimes some of the things they relied on weren't there. Like social support is obviously one of those top ones that people say you should have in your life. And suddenly nobody had social support, at least not in the physical sense. So that's a lot of people kind of had to rebuild whatever their self-care routine is because they didn't have access to things in the same way. And even if they did, it wasn't enough to deal with everything else going on. Yeah. Um, So if, when people, you know, lose jobs, lose a friend, lose an assignment, um, there's grief. So how have people been able to, how have you advised folks to deal with grief and loss, loss of freedom, um, all those, all those different um, kind of spaces that were created? Yeah, I think one of the interesting things has been that people forget that we're basically dealing with a long-term trauma, chronic trauma. And even if you're lucky and you didn't lose your job and you didn't lose any family members or something like that, you still have that threat, right? You still have that fear of losing your job. You still have that fear of losing somebody you love. You're still watching the news every day and seeing these things going on. And because of that, trauma impacts you, right? We all have an idea of how trauma impacts us. And it certainly doesn't lead to us being our best. You know, we become more depressed. We become more anxious. We're not able to be as creative. We lose motivation. All these things go out the window. And that's something that's been kind of like step one is, you know, the joke being like admitting you have a problem, right? But that really kind of has been the first step because so many people are like, what's wrong with me? Everybody else is doing X, Y, and Z. Why am I struggling? And I'm like, well, first off, we don't know what's going on with other people. So let's put that on, you know, let's put a plug into that. But two, let's not forget what's going on. So many people seem so hard on themselves without realizing it's been a really difficult year and that needs to be acknowledged. And so after that, once you kind of get to that point, then it's treating it as if it were a trauma because so many people are kind of treating themselves as if oh, I have a motivation problem. I'm lazy. You know, my ADHD is worse than ever. And it's like, well, that's not actually what seems to be presenting for most people. What seems to be presenting is they're dealing with trauma and that's what we need to address. Yeah. I kind of try to politely shout that from the rooftops. Like we're still (laughs) in a traumatic period. Um, It's okay. We're all in this trauma together. It's okay. We're not okay. Um, So, you know, I think it's hard to process when we're still, still in it, but what are some tips um, that you offer, you know, to creative professionals on, on what they, what they can do? Yeah. I mean, I think the number one thing is slowing down, which is like the last thing that people want to hear when they're not feeling productive, but ultimately that is what you need to do. And that's what allows you to to be your best and have those moments where your output is really good. And that doesn't necessarily mean going on a seven day vacation or even calling in sick from work. It can just mean making sure you take that lunch break or making sure you have a five minute break after a meeting because you know it's going to be stressful and you want to give yourself that space. It can be small changes. And ultimately, small changes are really what makes the difference, which is hard. That's what makes it so difficult is because it's all these little things together. It's not it's not just one thing that you do, right? It's all these daily things. It's the same as physical fitness. Mental health is the same in the sense that it's about all these long-term patterns, not 
some sort of quick fix. So one, I think taking time for yourself, slowing down as much as you can, you know, if you can take a seven day vacation, then by all means do that. But if, if you can't do that, then finding those spaces, I'm a big fan of, you know, as you said, mindfulness before. So I always encourage some sort of meditation. If, if people are willing to do that, not everybody's willing to do that. I'm a big fan of, um, a meditation that's called tapping where you, you know, tap acupressure points at the same time. So I'm always recommending that to people, but everybody's different. You know, some people, they have additional creative outlets, not ones that they work, you know, and make money from. Maybe they like to color, you know, that's become a big thing, adult coloring, or maybe they, you know, take up knitting or something like that. Having these other things that seem kind of silly, they don't seem like they should be a priority, but I'm basically saying, well, they kind of have to be a priority right now. If, if that's something, if knitting for 20 minutes a day is keeping you sane, then by all means, knit 20 minutes a day, right? But those, are, of course, are the first things that go when we get stressed, when we have a lot going on. It, that's We say, well, that's not important, you know, but you have to make yourself a priority. Yeah, I, I like that idea of a sanity break. Um, I'm wondering um, if you could do a little bit of a, a tapping um meditation for us like where like what are two two points that you could do at the same time what are some common places it's it's hard to describe without like showing it but um but yeah i mean there's different points there's the points on what they call the karate chop point um is one on the the left or the right hand it's you know where the pinky is and that's often the one that they they start with. And if you kind of, um, if you feel the bottom of your hand, you know, where your pinky is, the side of your hand, you'll feel kind of an area that's a little, not sore, but a little more tender. And that's actually the point. And so if you're tapping it, you know, you start with some sort of statement of like, you know, let's say you're feeling particularly anxious. You would start with some sort of statement of, even though I feel really anxious right now and things feel unmanageable, I love and accept myself. And that's kind of the most basic start to it. There's generally more on that, but that is a, is a very good place to start. And that's certainly something that you could even do in, in the restroom at work or something like that. And so what I like about tapping in particular is that it combines, you know, the acupressure point, something physical, it combines, you know, this idea of mantra and acceptance. And then of course it, it, you know, includes typical meditation stuff like breathing and, and focusing on, on letting go. Yeah. So I find for a lot of people that having that combination is nice. I always recommend there's um, an app, I believe it's called like the tapping method or the tapping solution. And it has a bunch of free tapping exercises. And there's also like a paid for version mm -hmm. of it as well. Yeah. So that's also a good start. Mind body connection is is super important, and for the folks who are listening and maybe trying to do it while you're listening to us um, after the break, I will also uh, lead you through a very short meditation. But I want to keep um, our conversation going with Elle, and um, you know what what does the science say about taking these breaks, right? Or or about um, positive self talk? Um, how is it good for? our full creative selves in the end. I mean, you mentioned, you know, uh, like knitting or coloring without this kind of pressure, right. Or this kind of end goal. Um, what would you say to the, the folks that aren't convinced yet that I don't need a break. I don't need to meditate. Um, what's kind of your take on that? Yeah. Well, the thing to know is that the body doesn't necessarily know why you're stressed, right? The body doesn't know if you're stressed because 
a bear is right behind you or because you're stressed because you might lose your job, right? Both are upsetting, but obviously one is a lot more life-threatening, but the body doesn't know the difference between that because it's just hormones. It's just your body is experiencing cortisol rising and things like that, right? So being in a, a state of fight or flight 24 seven is not healthy. So if you can't understand that, you know, being stressed about your job 24 seven isn't healthy, I would hope that people could understand that being feeling as if you have a bear right behind you 24 seven definitely is not healthy for your body. And so that's the important thing. And things like meditation, they help to lower, they help to lower cortisol, which then allows your body to say, okay, we get it. We're, we're okay right now. Because sometimes what happens is when you have a traumatic experience or you have chronic stress, your body doesn't know that they can relax. And even though you're telling yourself, okay, cool it out, I'm fine, you know, the world's not ending, it, your body doesn't get that, right? You can't just turn it off. So that's that's why things like meditation are really important because you can't just turn off a switch. But the closest thing that we have is things like meditation, which help to to turn off the switch as much as possible, essentially. Right. It's so incredible to me how real fear feels in our body um, mm-hmm. and that we don't know the difference between a bear charging at us versus like an email that is coming through, right? Like that email is not going to technically kill us, but um, mentally, right? So um, I was wondering, you know, how is therapy for creative folks um, different or unique? Are there different, maybe there are different trainings that you do, or is there just like um, a and a similar occurrence of specific topics. And so um, I'm just wondering, like, uh, you know, there's so many kinds of therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, art therapy and talk therapy. So, but mm-hmm. how is how is um, creative therapy maybe a little bit different? Because, you know, creative people use a particular part of their brain um, mm-hmm. more often. Um, and maybe we have a hard time shutting that part off. Yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah. I mean, one, the first thing that comes to mind is, yeah, I mean, being creative can also be something that backfires, right? You can be creative in terms of coming up with negative self-talk in terms of creating catastrophes, right? Like that, that does extend into that. I definitely see that, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the type of work I do, you know, my whole passion for, working with artists and creatives obviously comes from my, my own history in that field, but it also comes from when I was doing my master's, I I did like a research project specifically focusing on that population. And I talked to different creatives of, of all different types and explored with them, you know, what are the, what are the issues that you deal with chronically? What are the things that you feel like you could achieve in therapy or have achieved in therapy? How is, how is your art as a therapy different than, you know, talk therapy? And so from that, that's where I felt like, okay, there's a need. And the, the reason I feel like there is a need, and I hear this reflected from clients a lot is there are a lot of things that are difficult for people to understand if they're not in a creative field. It's difficult for people to understand how much you identify with your work and how you can't really sever that completely, right? You do identify with your work quite a bit. And I definitely try to help people not limit their identity to that, but that's, that's never going to be completely separate because they, they are one, right? Your work is you. 
So that's something that I think a lot of people find uh, is lost in translation. I think the sense of grief and loss that comes when opportunities are lost is, is hard for somebody outside the field to know, you know, what sort of disappointment that feels like. It's, it's hard to describe if you haven't been through that. But even if you are lucky to have a therapist that does understand that and, and you're able to explain it to them, not everybody wants to explain that. They want to get to the, the good stuff, so to speak. They don't want to have to constantly be creating sort of a, a context for their therapist. So I think that's one of the reasons why there's this space for this, why there needs to be a space for this so that we can start talking about the more important issues. And, and sometimes with my clients, we're talking about career, but sometimes we're not. Sometimes it's just the context for what they're going through, right? If there's someone that struggles with depression and anxiety chronically, what is that like to have a career that's so up and down that doesn't provide you that sense of stability when structure and stability are like two of the top things that we're going to recommend to someone struggling with depression, right? Struggling with anxiety. So that I think is, is a very much a core element of, of what the work becomes about is understanding that, incorporating that, and also learning to be able to deal with those things the best that you can. Because I think people have this idea that, well, it's a tough field and I just have to deal with it. And if I'm lucky enough to be successful, then I, sh I definitely shouldn't complain, right? But that's not true. It's not, it's not about complaining. It's about processing what's, what you're going through and learning to deal with it better so then you can actually be more creative and be your best self. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think feeling your best is, um, it's not a, it's not a pipe dream. Right. And it, yeah. and it doesn't also have to be all the time. Like we're, we're human, we have regular ups and downs, but I think, you know, sometimes the ups and downs feel a little bit more at the, at mm -hmm. both sides of the scale. So is there any like shame or stigma that creative folks have to also work through? Because that's, that's heavy, right? That's, like on top of what you're already dealing with to feel, to have to deal with shame or, or stigma. Um, I don't know if, I feel like things are getting better in that realm. Like mm -hmm. more people are talking about mental health, right? You had Elizabeth Olsen talk about panic attacks when she was mm -hmm. um, interviewed for, for Glamour magazine and um, Kevin Love and the NBA talking about his mental health struggles. Um, so more people are talking openly about it. Yeah, I, I think you're right, though. There is a lot of shame associated with it. There is this attitude of, well, you're lucky to be doing what you're doing, so you better just deal with it, right? You don't want to be a diva. You don't want to be difficult. And I think advertising in particular is very stressful in that sense, right? Because it's like, well, this is the work and you just need to deal with it. You can't you can't take a break. You can't say this is too much. You can't say that you're offended by something, right? And you know, things like the Me Too movement, I think also bring awareness to what people have felt like they have to deal with. I mean, that's obviously an extreme, mm -hmm. but it's it's not an extreme for some people, right? For some people, that was a day-to-day -day experience. So people feel like they just have to toughen up and deal with things. And there's this attitude that I wish would go away. I wish that that wasn't part of, of any of the arts industry, but it is, you know, and I get that people are lucky to, to be someone that, you know, makes money off their work. But with that said, it doesn't mean that you should have to suffer. And so sometimes it's about helping my clients to learn when are those opportunities to be assertive? When are those opportunities to say, this isn't going to work for me and this is drawing, you know, crossing a line. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of shame with that. I think there's also, I don't prescribe medication. I'm not a psychiatrist, but there's also a lot of shame associated with medication. This, uh, you know, this, uh, 
idea that medication is going to take away your creativity or take away your personality. That is still very prevalent. And that's something that I talk about with my clients in, in therapy, if they're considering going on medication or if they're struggling with their decision. Um, Interesting. So there's, there's still a lot of shame with all these things, but the other type of shame I think is when somebody is successful and they're not feeling happy with it, feeling like, you know, what's wrong with me, something must be wrong with me. And I think there's a lot of very, very successful people that, you know, have died at the height of their success that have um, come out as having a drug problem at the height of their success, things like that, that show like, look, you can have all your dreams come true, but that doesn't mean that you're suddenly going to be happy necessarily. If anything, you might feel worse than ever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why that type of experience is so difficult because people feel like, well, I did everything that I thought was going to make me happy. And now I have no idea what will make me happy. That is a really sad thought when you think about it. Yeah. So helping people realize, well, you don't have to be ashamed of that. It's not about, oh, you're an ungrateful person. It's about what needs were you hoping would be met by, by this dream? And are these needs at, actually being met? And oftentimes there is, you know, there's right. a, a conflict between those two. Right. And, and the mindfulness part in me, um, will guide me and say, you know, in appreciating the journey, not the the yeah. end, right? So Absolutely. I want to leave people with um, one or two more final tips from you. And uh, I think we've established that we're all kind of under chronic stress, right? Because of this, this longstanding uncertain time. Um, so, you know, as, as we get back into offices, as we find new jobs, as we establish new structures, I'm wondering what we can do or do we need to be mindful about this transition period, right? I'm thinking about when I went out to a restaurant uh, with two two pairs of people, and the next day I was like emotionally exhausted. Before it would I, it would have been fine, right? Because it was like I was used to meeting groups and used to going out, but this was like a uh, a new new of <laughs> kind of experience, or um, you know maybe it's like. More things are being added to people's workloads or different things. Like, what what do we need to do to stay um, confident, to stay creative, um, and ultimately to create that sense of fulfillment? Yeah. I mean, something I think that has been a little bit surprising for me is seeing that actually the transition in some ways is the harder part, which I know is like not, not good news that I'm bringing, right? But the reality is, you know, people are really resilient. They're able to deal with things that are really extreme for a certain amount of time. But what happens is, the, the process after that is actually the harder part, right? Because you're having, you know, as we talked about, you're having to communicate to your body that we're not in that adrenaline state anymore. We're not in that moment. And you're also not, you know, you're not at the end of the tunnel, right? So I find that a lot of people are actually struggling more during this time because they're like, well, I just want to be in 2022. I just wow. want to be past all of this, right? Whereas before when you were able to say, well, this is the worst of it and we're just pushing through and, you know, it, it's, it's this kind of in between that is harder. So one, I think it's knowing that you're not alone. I, I, that's something that I would love for people to know. Um, but the other part of it is, you know, realizing that this part of the transition is difficult too, and not expecting, you know, adjusting expectations, essentially not expecting yourself to suddenly be back to where you were before. I mean, we've changed our lives drastically and that's amazing. That's, that's really wonderful that we were able to adapt 
so much. But with that said, it's you, you can't just expect yourself to suddenly be who you were before, whether that's feeling more tired. That's something that I hear a lot. You know, suddenly, uh, you know, the eight hour workday is feels like a 20 hour workday. You know, it's it, your body doesn't have that same tolerance. You're at home sitting around so much more emotionally things feel more, you know, uh, difficult to deal with because you're, you're kind of like this, um, open wound essentially still. Right. So all of those things to me, I think the most important thing would be like, let's take a look at what your expectations are and let's adjust them. And that's not about lowering expectations. It's about creating ones that are going to set you up for success, right. Creating ones that are not going to be a way for you to beat yourself up and say, what's wrong with me? Because that, that has been something that I've been hearing so much this year is, you know, what's wrong with me and nothing is wrong with you. Right. I think one of the things that's come up this year is like, what does it mean to be an emotionally healthy person in a time of tragedy, essentially? And, and that's a big question. And to me, my answer to that question is it's not about being fine, right? Because that's not a normal response. You, obviously, you want to have some sort of emotional response to horrible things happening, but it's about being resilient. And so ultimately, adjusting those expectations is what allows you to be resilient. I love that. Well, here's to resilience. Any other yes. last thoughts? No, I'm glad that I got to talk about these issues because it's it's really unfortunate that people, I, I think one of the, one of the things that we didn't talk about is like how much social media impacts people. And now mm. more than ever, people are living their life online and they think that it's real, you know, and during the pandemic, I think that's what contributes a lot to people feeling like what's wrong with me, right? What, why am I not uh, writing a, a play in 24 hours? Why am I not uh, getting jobs, even though nobody's getting jobs right now. Why, you know, all these questions that come up because you see one person that seems to be living their best life. You see one person that seems to be happy and that's only five seconds of somebody's life. And that might not even be how they felt in that moment. So I think that that's something also that's important to acknowledge is it's wonderful that we have this tool. That's what allowed us to, you know, stay connected during this time. You know, I haven't, I'm from Los Angeles. I haven't visited my family in over a year. So I'm very happy to be able to have access to those tools, be able to connect with them, to spend, you know, Christmas online with them. But there's a downside, right? And we need to be aware of that. And so I think that's another thing to keep in mind as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's nice is that people have been real. Like there are pockets of authenticity and vulnerability on social media. So mm-hmm. I try to look for those too. And also just Absolutely. to have a laugh when I can, which is really helpful. So thank you yeah. again, Elvernfield. How can people get in touch with you? So you can find me um, on Instagram. It's therapy for artists, the number four. Or you can find me at my website, which is ltherapy.com. That's spelled E-L-L-E, therapy.com. Thank you so much for your time and your insight. Thank you. Take care. And we will be right back after this. I'll guide you through a very, very short meditation. We hope you can stay. We'll be right back. The country's most influential collection of broadcast, podcasts, and digital audio content. Formats for every taste, audiences for every advertiser. It's all at Odyssey. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Let Odyssey help you take full advantage of what audio can do for your brand. Audio that moves people, audio that moves business. Welcome to Odyssey. Visit odysseyinc.com to hear more. So we heard Al Bernfeld talk about adjustments and about mindfulness. So here is a short mantra meditation 
for you. So wherever you are, if you can find a place to sit still and slow down and adjust your spine so it's not too tight and upright, but just comfortable, right? We want to get to a place where our body is not in that fight or flight mode, but just flowing with the breath. So as soon as you get there, feel free to drop into your body by closing your eyes, relaxing your hands and your feet, and then taking a few nice deep breaths. What this does is signal to the body that everything around you is safe. And see if you can listen to the way your inhales and exhales are leaving and entering your body. Doesn't that feel good? Yeah, take up a little bit more space, a little bit more positive space into the lungs. And then the mantra or the phrase that we're going to use, I'm first going to give you the Sanskrit version and just repeat silently or out loud if you haven't talked all day. So hum. So hum. So hum. So hum. So hum. And the English rough translation, you can repeat silently or audibly. I am. Keep breathing, repeating, I am. I am. And feel free to simply exist as you are. With your breath, I am. And the last thing we'll do together is adding your own creative flair to this. So I want you to pick something to come after I am that you want to hear, that you need to hear, that you know is true or you want to be true. But make it something nice, right? Talk about that self-talk. So make it something nice. If you can't think of anything, just repeat I am. Perfect. So let you have a few moments to do that. Really let that sink in. And then very slowly, start to wiggle your fingers and toes, wiggle around in the spine a bit, and then open your eyes.
And that's it. Um, that comes courtesy to you by yours truly. Um, I am a meditation teacher, yoga teacher, wellness advocate on the side. So thank you for enduring and experiencing and witnessing Stress Awareness Month together. I wish you much peace and creativity and connection. If you have any thoughts, feel free to find me at CoMTV on Twitter or send us a message, podcast at adweek.com. Feel free to also leave us a review and a rating. It helps people find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Nick Gardner with Music by Home. Our guest was Elle Bernfield. And we will be back next week. Take care. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.